0: The Mad Splaners is brought to you by the Cap Times Idea Fest. Two days of lively discussion on September 28th and 29th on the University of Wisconsin Madison campus. You can find tickets at CaptimesIdeafest.com.
1: From your favorite episode of Parks and Rec to video games like Sim City, examples of local government pop up in all kinds of pop culture. On this episode of The Mad Spliners, Eric Lisa, and I delve into some of our favorite examples. I'm Abby Becker, and I cover city and county government for the Capital Times.
2: I'm Lisa Speckard-Pask, and I'm the Metro Reporter.
0: I'm Eric Lawrenson, and I write about tech and produce podcasts for the Cap Times.
1: And this is The Mad Splainers. Okay, so we're talking about. Uh, how does pop culture represent a local government, and does it do it in an accurate way? So yeah, we picked out some of our favorite pieces of pop culture, and now we're gonna analyze
2: them very thoroughly. It's gonna be great. Very thoroughly is not a joke. My co host here brought very extensive outlines with which to parse through these pop culture mediums. So
0: we have been talking about doing an episode like this from the get-go. Like literally <laughs> the first time we met to talk about this podcast. We're like, wouldn't it be fun if we did an episode all about, and I'm just going to spoil things here about what specifically we're going to talk about, about Parks and Recreation and about Some SimCity 2000? <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> so great. Yeah, Parks and Rec, I think, is the most obvious example of pop culture and local government. I mean, it's about a Parks and Rec department.
2: In the city hall of the town, yeah, exactly. So, by the way, their city hall is the biggest, fanciest building for a you know supposedly podunk town in Indiana. But that's just one of many things we have to uh, you know. Be bitter about. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So Parks and Rec is an NBC
1: sitcom that chronicles the lives and work of wonderful humans in
2: a town called Pawnee, Indiana. (laughs) Yeah, and um, it focuses on the Parks and Recreation Department in the city. So um, many of the characters in the show actually work there. But then, you know, it also encompasses their romantic interests and friends and people outside the department, too. But it just kind of talks about the things they try to do as a Parks Department. And the mishaps they have along the way. Yeah. And so so yeah. Leslie Nope
1: is um, the the main the main character, and so she's the director of
2: I think she's the, the Parks deputy, deputy, deputy director because Ron Swanson is the director. Oh,
1: thank you for fact checking. No problem. <laughs> um, so Ron Swanson is the deputy director. You have brooding April and um, the, the silly man child Andy Dwyer, <laughs> and you have the fabulous Donna
2: Meagle. Oh yes. These uh, are good adjectives. Tom Stylish Tom Haverford and poor Jerry. Gary, oh, and poor Jerry.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. A lot of people have their like careers launched with this show. That's like really true. Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. Aziz Ansari, um, April Ludgate, which is the name of the character, Audrey but not the actual Plaza. Audrey Plaza. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like The Office at first, but then kind of changed yeah, into something kind of very different, very unique. The
2: same producer, right? It's Michael. Sure, I think it's the same producer, and it did start out with a much more officey vibe. But then, as they evolved, they kind of found their own,
1: their own groove. Groove, groove. that's yeah. the word. Yes, yeah.
2: which I think a
0: lot of which was predicated on Leslie Nope's character being this absolutely like gung ho, high energy person who's just so passionate about. Serving people and making them happy and doing good.
1: I think that's kind of a running joke. Doing a good job, you know. Yeah, a running joke throughout the whole show is just how much Leslie can accomplish, you know, in a day. I mean, there's that one episode where um, she can't think of another, like, big idea. And then she, I think, I think Ron makes her sleep for, like, five hours. And she's like, oh, that's twice as (laughs) much as I normally sleep. And now I have a million ideas. (laughs) So I think we can just dive into some Parks and Rec episodes and talk about what sort of topics of local government,
2: you know, they hit on. So, well, I mean, the huge overarching topic, which is comes up in, I believe, the first episode, the first season, is there's this pit behind um Ann perkins house which some developer dug up and then the project got abandoned and Ann's the nurse and the nurse show. Yeah. and so i don't think they till six seasons later actually build something on that land which they are trying to build a park on that land the entire time so if they were playing the development game that we played two or three episodes ago they would lose a lot because they it's so slow they have to like rezone it and other people are trying to build stuff on it and it's really terrible. One thing I wanted to draw attention to in this whole process is I was watching an episode just last week, you know, just getting in the mindset for this podcast. And uh, Leslie at one point gets so frustrated, and this is only like season two, that she just decides she's just going to fill in the pit without the proper permits or zoning. She just hires bulldozers. She just hires bulldozers to do it. Which, like, you know, the first time I watched that show, I was like, you know, that's a bad idea, but whatever. But now that I've seen city president, I'm like, that is such a terrible idea as a city employee. of the government. Also, what
1: kind of liability she just brought on yeah, the city? Not no. not cool. Not cool, Leslie. But happy ending.
2: They do eventually build a park there. So
0: my read on the pit is that it's kind of symbolic of one of the major themes of the show, which is the pitting of this idealistic gumption to, yeah, we're gonna get something done and do something incredible with this pit, versus the complex bureaucracy, the complex actual process and politics that goes into oh, 100%. local government, that was even
2: beautifully put. That beautifully episode put. I was just talking about, where she just decides to fill in the pit. Leslie does, like right before that, you see her big chart, which is like talking about zoning and how to get it on, and it's like. 40 points and like 60 arrows going in different directions (laughs) to like try to, you know, illustrate how complicated this process is.
1: Another topic that I've noticed throughout a couple different episodes in Parks and Rec is sort of this uh, issue of proper procedure in local government, which, if you're familiar with, you know, local government, government, you know, going to public meetings, um, you know, people follow the rules. Robber's Rules of Orders is a certain way uh, to do things. Um, And so I was watching uh, the episode uh, called Fluoride, and it's where Leslie. Is trying to get this merger to happen so that, um, Uh, Pawnee's water will merge with the other town's water to get fluoride in the water, which is a good thing and (laughs) makes you wonder why Pawnee doesn't already have this. Uh, So you see, you know, her and the other council people, they are in a meeting in the city hall chambers. um, And anyway, they're discussing this legislation. And so for the sake of discussion, we're going to assume that this meeting was properly noticed. Now, you don't see any members of the public in attendance, but there is the stenographer who's like keeping, keeping records. So I I think it's fair to say that this, we can assume, safely It was like an open meeting. It was an open meeting. Mm -hmm. It was publicly noticed. I mean, that court records lady is there. Um, And when uh, when Leslie is talking about um, this bill that she's proposing about the merger, you know, no one's surprised. No one's taken off guard. People know about it. Again, also kind of backing up my assumption that this bill was properly noticed as well. Okay. So then Q Councilman Jeremy Jam who is kind of the worst. Oh, he's definitely the worst. Yeah. He's he's a dentist in the town or an orthodontist. Uh, he just He's a de- uh, I think he's a dentist. Well, anyway, he works with people's teeth. He's like
0: one of the few villains in the show. There <laughs> aren't really totally any villains. Villain. Yeah. But he is a villain.
1: He is a villain. So, um He is, you know, asking Leslie all these questions about the fluoride and eventually he's like, "All right, you caught me. I don't want this because I need uh, the people of Pawnee to have a lot of cavities because I need to support my lifestyle. Jam then proposes a bill um, that would basically keep the merger from happening. So Leslie did not know this was happening because then the next scene is her on the phone with Ben being like, oh, how can he do this? Right? Well, if you're going to introduce a piece of legislation, it needs to be noticed and so then it wouldn't come as a surprise, right? So I don't think what he did it was legal if I'm if my assumptions aren't mm. correct here
2: mm. yeah bad villain I tell you yeah. yeah and not even a- observing the rules for how you introduce legislation exactly <laughs> what a scoundrel yeah <laughs> I was a little
1: disappointed that I wasn't <laughs> properly noticed. Um, but there's also, there's another, I couldn't remember exactly which episode that this came from, but um, there's one where uh, I think Leslie Nope is walking down the hallway with Councilman Hauser, and Councilman Hauser goes into the city council chambers, and there's a sign out front that says city council meeting in progress, and Leslie stops herself. And she kind of looks at the camera and is like, oh, you know, the, the meeting's happening, and I think she says something like how, you know, she hopes to be a city council member someday or something. For all those listening, those meetings are public. You're a member of the public. You're a staff member of City Hall. You go to those meetings. You are allowed to be there and to register to vote and speak your opinion. So don't let that episode keep you from showing up at a City Council meeting. That's that's my message to all of you listening. Preach it. Yeah. Preach. One other episode I wanted yes. to talk about uh, touches on um, the issue of historic preservation, which in Madison, historic pre- preservation is a huge thing, right? We have uh, the landmarks. Committee, mm-hmm. um, or, I'm sorry, the Landmarks Commission, mm. and Lisa goes to a, a lot of those meetings, um, and I go to some, um, and uh, yeah, and th- I mean, there's local ordinances that regulate, um, you know, how to care for historic properties. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of care and pride kind of goes into this. So, in season two, episode 21 of Parks and Rec, it's called "94 Meetings." Leslie finds out that Jessica Wicks, a lady in town, um, ha- who's married to one of the uh, the wealthy old guys in the town that she has plans to alter the Turnbill Mansion which is a historic monument in the town. Um, So Leslie... Uh Leslie is furious to hear this, and she gets to the, the mansion to talk to Jessica and to find out what's up. So when she's there, she finds out the mansion has already been altered. I think the floors were painted and something else had happened uh, inside the structure. Um, and then she also finds out that Jessica wants to demolish an old gazebo in the mansion's backyard that is also historic. Okay, this raises a lot of questions for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> you us, don't say, Abby. Tell us, Abby. Because here's the thing. One— All right, Leslie's a very committed public
2: employee. That's not her job. Right,
1: it's not her job, right? Like, why doesn't Pawnee have a historic preservation committee group, group of people? I don't understand this, right? So, I mean, she says it's a historic mansion, or, yeah, the historic mansion, historic gazebo, right? So, I mean, this, you know, if we're thinking about this, it should be then, um, it should have been, like, officially marked as... A landmark. Know, as a historic, as a yeah. landmark, so then there would be a lot of rules in place uh, to respond to this. So Jessica was really flouting the rules, and Leslie must just be really dedicated to respond to this. Um, but also, if if Pawnee doesn't have a historic preservation committee, then if it does get on that, then
2: maybe she, you know, then that would mean it wasn't actually a landmark and it was just, you know, maybe older. Right. Right. and then you can't make rules about that
1: again. Making some assumptions, I didn't have a chance to, mm. you know.
2: You know, and it, go too deep into sure. these conspiracy but theories. But those that are we just have. questions that that uh, came
1: to mind. I I said this before, but I think a dream job would have been to be kind the of the fact, like fact checker for the
2: episodes. <laughs> oh it's my so god! <laughs> I feel like they had to have at least someone. I mean, like obviously they didn't get as nitpicky as we would have been, but like they had to have someone, right? To like confer sure, like. with, like. Surely. Like. Surely,
0: are there aspects of local government that it really nails on the head? Where you watch and you're like, "Yes, this is what I deal with all the time."
1: Yes, yeah, so I think to me, overall, the show I feel is is accurate. Like when I watch it, I'm like, "Wow, I feel like I experience that in in my job." You know, one aspect they get super super accurate is the, the level of um, exuberance from the citizen members who go to the community forums. Oh, my gosh. And, that's one of the highlights and, of the show. Well,
2: And what speaks to me about that, too, is – and I haven't been to a ton of meetings like this, but this has happened. where. So in those community forums in Parks and Rec, people will bring up things that have nothing to do with a topic at hand. Like I was watching one the other day where they're, like, complaining that they found a sandwich in the park that is peanut butter and they don't like peanut butter or something like that. <laughs> but – I have legitimately been to um, like community feedback or forums where like people started bringing up things that had literally nothing to do with what we were talking about, and I was like, "My life is Parks and Rec right now." Yes, so that yeah. is very true to life at times. Yeah. yeah, although usually not as much screaming, I would say. Yeah, there's a lot of screaming in Leslie's town, town hall meetings. Yeah. Don't
1: <laughs> usually happen in uh, the meetings that I'm at.
0: The Mad Splainers is sponsored by the Cap Times Idea Fest, an event with an exciting lineup of guests, including David Axelrod. The fest takes place in Madison on September 28th and 29th. You can find tickets at captimesideafest.com. So. Lisa will only be able to hang out for the first part of the conversation. She's got to dip out for a dentist appointment, or an eye appointment, rather. So she will not be around for our very important discussion of SimCity. I have watched some parks and recreation, but it's not my area of expertise. (laughs) A little bit more in my wheelhouse is SimCity 2000, (laughs) which I played a bunch when I was in elementary school. Um, Lakeview Elementary School had SimCity 2000 Shut installed on all computers in its computer lab. It was my game of choice. I logged—I don't even know how many hours playing oh. that game.
2: Ten thousand? Are you an expert? Do you think?
0: Yeah, call me SimCity 10,000 <laughs> because yeah, that's how much I've played it. I no. will
1: call you. That. All right. Well, you yeah,
2: might have please. to enlighten me because confession—I've yes. never played. I used to watch my siblings play, but I don't want to play very much.
0: Yes. Okay. Let's break down. What is Sim City. What is um, it, Eric? It is a series of computer games. Um, Sim SimCity the, was the first game. It came out in 1989. There are a bunch of others, including SimCity 2000. Um... I personally have only played SimCity 2000, SimCity 4, and also there was this like, spiritual successor called Cities Skylines that I played a little bit. But basically, the idea was, you're the mayor. Here's a city. Run it, why don't you? <laughs> um, this is really interesting. I feel, I would posit, that SimCity is the diametric opposite of Parks and Recreation in Hot terms take. of how, how it represents local government and... Uh, municipal politics and and all that.
2: I would read a think piece on this, yeah. FYI.
0: So Parks and Rec has a lot to do with the arduous process and you know obstacles and politics that you encounter when it comes to to city government. There's a lot involving people, like all those community forums full of people who have strong views on anything and everything going on in the city. In Sim City, that is not as much of a thing, and in fact, you are a god you <laughs> a mayor and you can do anything you want. That pit took six seasons to resolve in Parks and Recreation. In SimCity, it would take six seconds. Actually, it would take like two seconds. You would just click Bulldoze, Rezone, developers would pop in, instantly build there. You wouldn't like think about it for more than a fraction of a second. It is basically a game in which you have a lot of unilateral power. And you are not really held accountable. You have no one electing you. You can do what you want. It is a sandbox.
2: Can I pitch a movie to you guys? Yes. Leslie Nope gets trapped inside a Sim City yes. a la Jumanji. And oh has to deal gosh. with the fast-moving development that takes place.
0: This is okay. This is something that I actually thought about a lot. Would Leslie Nope love or hate Sim City? On I the think, one hand, she is kind of really wants to get stuff done. I think is, she would hate it because it'd yeah. be
2: poach burgers everywhere. And right? No community input. Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: Exactly. That's. I, I think she would find it very tempting, and there would be a great episode <laughs> of Parks and Rec about. Ooh, <laughs> well, I would love to. What's
1: the Parks and Rec yeah. episode where it's like Shazam or Shawau or comes yeah, in to I build stuff quickly. That one yeah, it was build that same one, I think, where she decides to take that same method to get the bulldozers then without the permit.
2: Yeah, so. she does get tempted by that.
0: So yeah, basically, do you have like this bird's eye view of a plot of land. Depending on how you play the game, you can just like load up a city that's pre-built. A uh, fun fact, in Cities Skylines, someone made Madison, Wisconsin, so you can just load up Madison, what? Wisconsin and play around with that. That's so um, fun. What happens is basically you got a bunch of land and then you just make these little decisions like zoning. Just like in real local government, zoning is incredibly important. It is the bread and butter of the game, just as, you know, as we talked about in episode one of this very show, zoning is kind of the bread and butter of urban planning. It dictates what your city looks like. Here's the thing, though. It is incredibly simplified. You can literally sort of paint by numbers this map. Just click and drag. This is what I want. To be a residential zone. Mm. This is what I want to be a commercial zone. This is what I want to be an industrial zone. You zone stuff, and that's the end of the story. It's not like you then sit down with developers or sit down with neighborhood associations or you know really hash out what kind of buildings might get approved for a certain plot of land. A lot of development that occurs is just like based on how you zone stuff. Like if you zone something as residential, boom, a house is magically going to appear. But I think it is kind of cool that there is this game, which plenty of kids are playing, which does give them this basic understanding, however unnuanced that might be, of what zoning is and why it matters. Why you wanna make sure that a residential zone isn't right next to a parcel of land that's zoned for industrial development.
1: So yes, yeah, so what did what did you learn from this? From playing this game when you're child? What did you sort of Take away from it. Yeah,
0: I think the big thing that I, I learned, well, it was those it was very bare bones understandings of what zoning is. I think I also got a very basic understanding of, you know, cities run on budgets and there are a lot of constraints that cities run up against based on how limited their budget might be.
1: And a limited budget is sort of one of the main tensions that a city has to deal with um, and is constantly dealing with is how do we allocate resources? What do we prioritize when, you know, we don't have, you know, an endless source of funding?
0: Um, Although you are able to make uh, compacts and agreements with other communities, for example, maybe can sign up for an agreement, or another city takes care of sanitation for you or something That's like interesting.
1: That. That's kind of like inner city agreements. Exactly. Like, yeah, like police departments would have that with a, another police department and another municipality to to respond, that kind of thing.
0: It's important to emphasize that this was really a game. Like, it is not meant to be this nuanced, realistic representation of society. Like, there are so many actual problems with SimCity if you were to treat it as such. It is this weird world in which a lot of social issues are just non-existent. There's no such thing as race. There's no such thing as inequality. There's some acknowledgement of wealth, but nothing to the extent of, like, there is poverty. There is homelessness. There aren't any real political happenings or goings-on in the city. It really is a game about solving problems through civil engineering, not a game about people or going through these really complex processes that go on in actual city government.
1: So SimCity just kind of disregards all of the community input and all of the talking and the what people want kind of thing.
0: Exactly. Hence, uh, this all goes back to my original thesis, SimCity is the exact opposite of Parks and Recreation.
1: I have to agree with you on that, Eric.
0: One last note I will make is that I did a little bit of scrounging online. I was curious about what urban planners and city planners actually make of this game. And it turns out, yeah, there are a lot of people who actually go into city planning because they played SimCity. It is an inspiration for people. Um, And uh, John Reinhart wrote this article for Kotaku, which is a gaming website, um, sort of talking about his background in city planning and how it compares to, to the game, SimCity. And he talked about how there is, I guess he referred to it as an urban legend, quote, there are two piles when you apply to a top urban planning school. If you write about your love of SimCity, your application goes straight into the pile B, the trash bin. Because apparently, a lot of people just want to write about SimCity, and they.
1: So, pro tip: yeah. don't mention that on uh, your application. For... Exactly, <laughs> for school. <laughs> Parks and Rec and uh, SimCity aren't the only pieces of pop culture that, you know, we we came up with. There were a couple others, and one was an episode from The Simpsons.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite episodes is called Trash of the Titans. Came around season nine, which is a season that people point to as exemplary of the flagging quality of The Simpsons at that point. But I say bah humbug to that because <laughs> it's a great episode. I love this episode. Have you watched it, Abby?
1: Uh no. <laughs> okay. But I know. Nice. I so someone recommended uh, this episode as a good one that kind of exemplifies some aspects of local government. And so I read up on it, but no, I have not watched it.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, it is literally about local government. I don't know if there are any huge takeaways about you know the the intricacies of of municipal government. You kind of um, get
1: into the idea of protest and election.
0: The the plot of it is basically Homer gets uh really riled up about sanitation in his city and long story short he gets in this feud with the sanitation commission and thinks that he can actually maybe run for sanitation commissioner himself and he does um and his whole promise his is his campaign slogan is can't someone else do it the entire premise of which is like homer is going to have sanitation workers, pick up your trash, take out your trash. It's going to be almost this wonderful service that will just pamper residents and basically (laughs) do every single aspect of sanitary work. Long story short, he gets elected and ends up running out of money within a month (laughs) because he can't (laughs) sustain it. That sounds about right. Yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot to say about this episode other than it's hilarious. It is uh, an example, I guess, of Firebrand politics and how effective that kind of tactic can be, as opposed to, you know, a sensible, rational sort of measured approach to politicking.
1: Well, um, so speaking of, you know, politicking, I was thinking about um, The Wire. The Wire is, um, it's a TV series, it is set in Baltimore, and basically each season introduces a different institution of the city, and then sort of delves into its relationship to law enforcement. So um, yeah, I mean, so I mean, a lot of the show is about local government and local police and, you know, sort of what all comes from that. Um, And so but, but season three, in particular, is about local government. And so um, throughout this episode, you know, they, they talk about um, uh, the one character uh, by the last name of Karketty, you know, he's running for mayor. So you really kind of um, see sort of the politics behind local government and sort of what kind of goes into the deal making and who's running and who's not running. And, you know, this is uh, local government on a, on a bigger scale. I mean, Baltimore is bigger city than Pawnee, which Pawnee yeah. is a fictional city, also but you know what I mean. A,
0: on a less silly scale. It's a little bit more of like a more serious analysis of how these institutions relate to each other. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So again, polar opposite of uh, Parks and Rec. But um, but yeah, but see, I, season three just in particular does focus on local government and is, uh, for me, I thought it was just a really interesting, you know, kind of look at all those issues.
0: Yeah. And I know David Simon, who is a former journalist, but now... You know, is in, I guess, the TV business. He's the one who produced this show. He also made a show called Show Me a Hero that I don't know a whole lot about, but is all about affordable housing in oh, New fascinating. York. So this guy is just, you know, uh, has a wealth of local government and city-related uh, media to, that he's he's produced, so thank you for that, David Simon. Uh-huh.
1: Well, and then on a more lighthearted hearted uh, TV series, um, uh, Gilmore Girls also has uh, some some pieces in it that relate to local government. One one aspect of the show, um, Taylor Dozy, uh, he owns a grocery store in the in Stars Hollow, um, but he is the town selectman as town selectman. That's sort of the town executive, you know, position, and so yeah. um, a lot of episodes have all of the characters at these crazy town. Hall meetings that take place in Miss Patty's dance studio. Um, And so anyway, those are just kind of funny to watch. And uh, they're, I mean, they're not really that well run. Like he has a gavel and says stuff, but uh, it's kind of unclear how the whole procedural thing Kind of works, um, but yeah. But then in a later episode, another character Jackson Belleville, ends up running for town selectman and and beating Taylor Dosey, which um, it's kind of sad because Taylor really has nothing else kind of going on in his life, and Aww, he really needs that. Taylor, yeah, he, <laughs> he kind of like derives self worth from that position. But it's kind of funny because uh, Jackson realizes after he wins that he really doesn't want it and does not want to deal with all of the the issues that come with being town selectman. You know, like people asking him questions about, you know, I don't know, different projects in town or whatever. Um, yeah, so that that is kind of one aspect of local government in yeah. Stars Hollow.
0: Um, you know, I was kind of, like, really trying to think before we recorded this, like, what are prominent examples of local government and pop culture? I think possibly, like, the most common one is just in the case of, like, police procedurals. Like, yeah, law and order is a right. lot, you know, people get very familiar with, like, prosecutors and the county da's office and yep. all that i do not watch these shows so i do not know how accurate they
1: are i also cannot analyze them But yeah. but no i think yeah the uh presentation of the uh, police departments of court systems i think those are overrepresented
0: oh my god we need more parks and recs you know
1: yeah we do yeah. amen to that you have a favorite piece of pop culture that relates to local government we want to hear about it so let us know tweet at us email us uh in fact you can email eric at ericl@madison.com. you can subscribe to the mad splainers on itunes or wherever else you find podcasts and while you're there you can check out other cap times podcasts like the corner table which is all about food and dining thanks for listening bye y'all
0: The Mad Splainers has been brought to you by the CAP Times Idea Fest. Two days of lively discussion on September 28th and 29th on the University of Wisconsin Madison campus. You can find tickets at CAPTimesIdeaFest.com.